going to be looking all the way to the back of the book. This one won't be too hard for you to find. It's in the book of Revelation. I won't give you the page number, but it's clear to the back. We'll get there in just a few minutes. We're starting a new series today called There's No Place Like Home. And our title for this very first message is this. Home is where we worship together. And over the next today and the next four weeks, we're going to talk about five things about home that we are so thankful for. This is the first one. I appreciated Debbie Eden for being willing to share for a few minutes about her experiences here with with the actual praise and worship part of our church and how that affects her life outside of this place. And I think that uh, we could have interviewed uh, a lot of other people that would have been able to say the same thing. The, the worship, the praise and the worship uh, is something that is a blessing to us. And we're very grateful for our musicians and our our singers and those that, those that make this such a, an incredible experience every week. And to Neil and his his leadership team doing a fantastic job. But but worship is not just what we do for 30 to 45 minutes on a Sunday morning when we gather together. Did you know that? In fact, worship, for those of us who know Jesus personally, worship is just how we live our lives. Worship is a lifestyle. If... The only time a person thinks about God is when they just so happen to be in his house. Then I would say to that person that you probably don't have a real relationship with God. Because if you really know God, you think about him real quick when you wake up in the morning. And you spend time with him all day long. You find yourself in your vehicle just driving down the road and all of a sudden you begin to meditate on his goodness and you're, you're praising him. You're at work and something either goes right or wrong. Whichever case, the Holy Spirit reminds you, he says, hey, I'm right here. And you begin to worship him again. Not just with words or prayers or songs. But worship for a believer is again our lifestyle. When we when we give, when we go, when we do, who we are is all reflective of what's in our heart. And so today we want to talk about how that worship and the concept of home tie together. I know that probably most of you were able to to see some of the, the videos that were used as teasers for this series. I thought... Dustin did such a fantastic job. And and I, I sat down again this week with the one that played this last week, uh, which was a little bit longer than the, than the other one. And, and I, I had seen it before, but this week I sat down by myself and nobody was around. And I thought, I'm just going to watch that again. And I'm going to tell you all, uh, I, had, I had to be careful because I just about started crying. There wasn't even anybody around. I got ashamed here. I was about to cry by myself. When I started watching that video and reflecting back on days of my own within the last few years of the turbulent storms and things that our family have been through, and then to reflect on how good it is to have a place, how good it is to have a place that you can call home. Home is 
ideally the place where you should feel the most loved and accepted and protected and appreciated. What comes to mind when you think of home? Think about that for a few seconds. I think home for me is that place where you feel safer. If you live on the same planet I live on now, no place feels very safe. But home is the place where you feel safer. You're surrounded there, hopefully, by people that love you. It's a place where you can let down your guard. It's a place where you can be genuine. Nobody's out to get you there. In fact, on the days that you feel like it, you can even lock the doors and turn down the blinds and play like you're not even there if somebody knocks on the door. You can ignore any distractions or intrusions. Sometimes you're in a place where you need a spot like that. Have you ever, have you ever been in a storm that was so turbulent or a battle? that was so violent or a trial that was so unending that you just wish you could click your heels together three times and be at home. Many of our safe places feel less safe than they did years ago. Today, whether you're, whether you're in the marketplace or you're in your school or if you're in your home, regardless of where you're at, you have to keep your eyes and ears open now more than ever before. I was thinking recently about how times have changed, you know, some since, just since I was a boy. A couple of things, some of you my age will remember this. When, when, when I was a kid at school, we heard pops every once in a while. Pop, 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 pop. But we didn't hit the ground because it just meant somebody had brought firecrackers to school, was setting them off in somebody's locker. And they were on their way to the office to get three swats from the principal. That was the world I lived in. Today, if you hear pops like that, you better be getting under a desk somewhere. It's a shame to say, but it's the truth. Every kid at my school had a knife. Most of them had guns. They were in their truck in the gun rack because they went hunting before school or they were going when they got out. They had a pocket knife in their pocket and they brought it to school for things like whittling. You know what whittling is? You know what else we did with those pocket knives at recess whenever we or lunch break or whatever we did? We took our pocket knife out and we played chicken. Not a real smart thing to do, was it? Any kid that could go back to class with all of his toes was having a pretty good day. Today when kids take knives to school, their intentions are a whole lot worse than accidentally cutting off a buddy's toe playing chicken. It's a different world. It's not, same, it's not the same place some of us grew up in. That's why home is, for hopefully, for us, home is that safe place, that secure place. Sadly, for a lot of people, home is not that either. For some people, home is about the worst place they can be scariest place they can be poor little children a lot of times in our world are afraid to stay awake and afraid to go to sleep but hopefully you live in a place and you stay in a place that makes you feel secure 
makes you feel welcome, makes you feel at peace. Every time we force ourselves today to watch the news, whether it's local or or national, we're just inundated with the violence and the prejudice and the instability of this planet that we call home. Living on this earth could put you in deep depression. But it won't if you won't let it. Because life is about choices. You're going to choose how you're going to live, who you're going to love. How you're going to worship. And how you view your future. And even in the midst of chaos and calamity, those of us that know Jesus are at peace. We live in a constant state of peace regardless of the turmoil that surrounds us. I want you to look with me, if you would, at our text today. It's Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 3. And John writes here, he said, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, God lives with humans and God will make his home with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. And he'll wipe every tear from their eyes and there won't be any more death. There won't be any more grief or crying or pain because the first things have disappeared. And the one sitting on the throne said, I am making everything new. Now, I know that that passage is referring to our eternal future. I understand that. But this passage is not just about our future. It's also encouraging words for us living in this temporal time right now. It's a great source of comfort, can be. Because the God that we have chosen to worship says time and time throughout his word, That he's going to keep us and he's going to protect us. You say, well, now, wait a minute. There's a lot of bad things happen to good people. Is God, where's God in that, all that protection? I'm not talking about what happens to this earthly, temporary body that your spirit is dwelling in right now. A lot of things happen to these bodies. These bodies weren't made to live forever. But the spirit that is in you that has been alive forever and will live forever somewhere cannot be touched by evil, by harm, by sickness. Say, man, my earthly body hurts today. Yes, but the condition of your soul, the condition of your spirit is all up to you. There's been a lot of times in my life where I was was struggling. I was either ill or I was... I was uh, going through a tragic time or grief where that my physical body was just, it was hard to get it or to just get it up and get it going. But even in the midst of all those things, there was always a deep seated peace and a knowing that Jesus was still with me and that he was giving me peace and he was giving me strength and he was giving me courage and that every season would pass. They all and they all have. I love this passage of scripture. You know, something that I want to get across over the next several weeks. We're we're talking about, we're going to be talking about our purpose statement. We have five 
ease that we try to gauge all of our ministry by here at Trinity Fellowship. There's five things that we try to do. The first thing that we do is we have made a determination that we are going to exalt Christ in everything we do. That's number one. We're going to exalt Christ in everything we do. And the word exalt means worship. Hence the reason for home is where I worship. Home is where I exalt Christ. How do I exalt Christ? In everything I do. And so it's not just singing like we did this morning. But again, it is our giving, it is our living, it's our doing, our going, our being. Whether you're, whether you're singing or praying or tithing or, or receiving the word like right now or serving somewhere, it's worship. The people that were outside today with smiles on their face helping you find a place to park or standing around handing something to you or opening a door were worshiping God with that act the same as you were a minute ago when you had your hands up singing. It all had to do with what was in their heart and who they were doing it for. That's worship. It's a lifestyle. It's how we walk out our faith every day. Because we understand that we're not our own, but we've been bought with a price and we belong to Jesus. So home is where I worship. The question then would be, where is home? Get out your pen, your paper, write it down. Home is where I worship. Well, then where is home? It's real simple. There may be more than these. I'm just going to give you three. Three places where I worship. Three places I call home. Number one, home is in my heart. I worship at all times because God is in my heart. You know, most of you know, uh, my son-in-law, Kyle, is a little brother named Matthew, who now is a senior in high school, but When he was about five years old, little Matthew had a heart condition. I believe he had a little hole in his heart. And and just he was just a little bitty guy. And I remember him having heart surgery. And his had mama had told him before he went in, you know, to pray with him and told him how that Jesus was in his heart and he didn't need to be afraid. And so he went through that surgery. And at the end of the surgery and recovery, the doctor came in to check on him and talk to him. See how he was doing. And Matthew asked the doctor, said, doctor. When you were in my heart, did you see Jesus? Because he knew that's where he lived. It's a great illustration out of the mouth of babes, right? It's such a great illustration of how we ought to live our lives. Jesus is in my heart all the time. From the minute I invited him, from the minute I asked him to be, he made a choice and he said, I'll never leave there or forsake there. I'll be there from now on. So home is where my heart is. Wherever I am at, my heart is with me. Did you know that? I find myself in a lot of difficult places. But no matter where I am or no matter what's going on, I always have my heart with me. It just works that way. And because I have my heart with me, I got home with me. And guess who's in my home? Number two, home is in my house. 
Sometimes I will just decide to make that house a sanctuary. A lot of times when there's no one else but me there is when I'll decide to get out the guitar. And I just start worshiping the Lord. I just start praising God and singing. I have some of the best church services by myself you've ever seen. I touch myself with my own worship to the Lord in ways that touch my heart and they touch my head and they touch my mind. I hope the Lord is as touched by that and as ministered to by that. Man, sometimes I'll be playing that guitar and singing those songs. Sing that one we just sang. I have to be, I'll just start crying right there, worshiping God. It's awesome to know that at your house, you could turn it into a church if you want. So you got your heart with you. You got your house where you can worship the Lord. I told the story a few weeks ago. Forgive me those of you that heard this. When I was just four or five years old, I started having church at my house. I couldn't read yet, but I had one of those little Bibles Some of you have the little kid's Bible that has Jesus sitting on the front with the children sitting on his lap. Anybody remember that Bible? Little blue Bible with Jesus and the children. I had that Bible and what was neat about it is it was filled with pictures. All the pictures from Sunday school. David and Goliath. Daniel and the lion's den. And every once in a while I could manipulate my sister's into coming to hear me preach. I couldn't read yet, but my sister, one of them would lead the singing. That's what we called it back then, leading the singing. One of them would lead the singing. And when the singing service was over, then I would take my text and I would open that Bible and I'd pick a picture. Whatever picture I picked, I knew the story because I went to Sunday school every week. I knew how they went. Man, I'd preach. And whenever I finished preaching, every once in a while on a good day, one of my sisters would say, now that was a good one. Home is in my house. If I want it to be, home is in my house. I hope that you're having church at your house a whole lot more than you're having church here. But the third one is, home is in my church. When we gather together like, a, like this... Every time we gather together like this, have you ever heard somebody use the word corporate worship? You're like, is that a bad thing? I mean, is that somebody in trouble or what? Corporate worship simply means this, that people have gathered together in unity to worship God together, not just alone. When we gather like this together and we worship together, this is corporate worship. We praise God together as a group. And we experience God through the gifts and the fruit of his spirit. And he speaks to us in different ways. But every way that he speaks to us is always scriptural and orderly. That's what we've noticed. Everything God does, he does with decency. I heard about a little boy one day who went to church. That night when he knelt beside his bed, he prayed this prayer. Dear God. We had a good time at church today. Man, I wish you'd been there. 
And that's how some people feel about it when they leave their church. Well, that was all right, you know, good little, good little message there, a couple of songs, that was all right. Didn't feel much, didn't really change me much, didn't really give me much to think about, but I might go back again next week. I'm thankful to be able to go to a place where that every single time we gather, I feel God's presence. But I want to tell you something about that. It's not because he lives in this place. Because he doesn't live in this place. God doesn't live in a tabernacle made by hands. Chose to at one time during the dispensation of the law. But ever since the dispensation of grace, he left that place that he dwelt in, in that little ark. And he said instead, after the the death and the resurrection of Jesus... They said the Holy Spirit's going to come back and he's not going to dwell in a box. He's going to come and live inside you and be with you at all times. So when you feel the presence of the Lord here on Sunday, it's not because he lives here. It's because you or someone brought him with you. Because he was there and he is here. He's everywhere all at once. But I'm thankful that when we gather in this place, that we can get together and we can worship together and that he is in this place. Everywhere I go, any place and every place is the right place to worship God. So I take you back to the text. 21.3, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying God lives with humans and God will make his home with them. Isn't it amazing that God has chosen to live with us? Out of every place that God could be, he's chosen to live with us. Now, think about that a minute. He is everywhere. In fact, there is no one anywhere on this planet that has an excuse to deny the existence of God simply by getting up and looking at nature. Even if they'd never heard the word of Jesus, all they had to do was get up and look around and nature itself calls out to them and says, there has to be a God. This did not just explode. Have you ever seen something explode? Have you ever seen anything like this, the result of an explosion? You ever seen anything with this much order? That was just a mistake, a happen chance. The God is in everything. He's in all of his creation and all creation recognizes that. And even when people aren't intelligent enough to do so, rocks and sticks acknowledge God's presence. In fact, the word said that if we didn't praise him, the rocks would cry out. Isn't that amazing? How bad would you freak out if you were outside today and you started hearing rocks singing and praising? If you didn't, they'd start. If someone wasn't, creation would. Creation glorifies our Father and His presence in everything because God is in everything. But the neat thing about it is not is that He's not just in everything and that creation doesn't just acknowledge it. But what's really cool about it is He says, I am in all that, I'm in all that, but I've chosen to dwell in you. I can be seen in all of that, but I live in you. 
How cool is that? Everywhere you go. You say, I feel God's presence. You're right. You do. Maybe you're in your church home right now or maybe you're looking for one. In either case, there's no way that you could leave this place today without acknowledging that you felt his presence at some point. Whether it's right now or earlier, at some point you have felt his presence in this place. And the reason for that is because either you or someone around you anticipated this moment and prepared himself for this time. Some of you, I'm going to tell you, some of you got up this morning and it was all you could do. You just got up, you wasn't thinking about it. You may have fought all the way here. But you just got here. Somehow you just managed to get here. But I'll tell you, there was somebody else, someone else today who'd been preparing for this moment. Someone else around you got up today and they were praying and they were seeking God and they were preparing themselves. They were saying, Lord, use us today. What do you want to do in our presence? And because of that, if you were the one today that fought all your way here, but you still felt his presence and we're like, I don't understand why I felt God's presence today, man. We've been fighting all the way here. It's because somebody else had been preparing the way. And next week you need to be that person that prepares the way for what God is going to do in his house. So there it is. I mean, home is. Where's home? Home is in my heart. Home is in my home. Home is in my church. Home is anywhere our father Happens to be which is everywhere. As a believer, home is everywhere. And we worship God everywhere. If life is pressing in on you and fear is trying to overtake you or the burdens of of everything are just weighing you down, you don't have to click your heels together three times to find yourself at home. Home is just a choice and a prayer away. Just a choice and a prayer away. And everything can change. Be at home right now. There's no place like home. Home is wherever you happen to be if you're there with our Father God. So some of you maybe have been away from home for a long time. Are you saying, Pastor, I've been away from the church? No, I'm saying you've been away from God. Those of us who know the Lord, we're at home all the time. Wherever we go, we're at home. But some of you may be away from God, chosen by decisions that you've made, actions you've taken. You've walked a long way away from the Lord. And you don't feel safe and you don't feel at home anymore. You feel all alone. You feel like you're just out there. How how close is a change for you? What would it take for you to be able to lay your head on your pillow tonight and be able to feel safe and secure in the presence of the Lord and be able to go to sleep and sleep like you haven't slept in all? You know what that would take? Just a simple choice and a prayer. That's as far away as you are right now from home. Is just to say, I got to get back home. Home is safe. Home is secure. Home is family. I got to get back home. I got to get back to that place where that worship is a lifestyle. Wherever you're at, whether here or there, 
whether you're watching right now from these seats or if you're watching from a screen somewhere. I invite you to take the next couple of moments to search your heart and ask God if you are at home. Ask God if you're at home. God, what do I got to do to get back home? Those that are joining us by live stream are about to leave here in just a couple of minutes, but I want to say to them before they are gone, I want you to pray with us just like we're about to pray in this room. If you need to come back home today, no matter where you are, it's as simple as a choice and a prayer. A heartfelt request to God to say, God, forgive me for my sins. I want to come back home. I want to feel your presence. I want to know your love. I want to know that security. I want to have that peace in my heart. It's that close. And so I would ask you, whether you're there or you're here, that you would take a few minutes. Don't just turn this off, but take a few minutes and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. In this room, we are about to pray, and I want you to do that at home. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. God bless you. All the rest of you. Right here, right now. We're about to receive communion. We're, it's an act of our worship. But before we do, we want to make sure that our hearts are right with the Lord. Doesn't make any difference what denomination you're affiliated with, what church you go to. None of that matters. The only thing that qualifies you to be able to partake of the Lord's Supper is this. If you have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ and have asked Him to, re to forgive you of your sins, then you're part of His family. And you're my brother or you're my sister. And you are welcome to take of this communion. Because even if this isn't your home church, this is still your family. But if you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, then don't take this communion for no amount of money. If somebody offered you $1,000 right now to take communion, don't you dare do it. Because the Bible says that if you eat and drink unworthily, you'll do damage to yourself. And some people have been sick and some people have even died. Because they irreverently partook of the body and the blood of Jesus. Why is it such a big deal? Because Jesus gave his life. He shed his blood and he gave his life for us to be saved and to be healed and to have the eternal security that we have. He, he paid a, pri a, a, a huge hefty price for that. And when people so flippantly take of that, and it's just like no big deal. If they just take that and, and Jesus isn't in their heart, they're saying to the world something that they really haven't committed to. And they end up, they end up disgracing the kingdom because of the way they live their life outside the walls. People say, well, that's not a believer. They're, they're taking communion. That's not a believer, man. They talk just like us, think just like us, act just like us. And God says, you're my own. I redeemed you. I bought you with a price. I want you to think and act differently. I want you to mirror the life of my son to the best of your knowledge. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you so that you can. I want you to, I want you to live different. I want you to look and act different. So when we take this communion, what we're doing is we're saying identify with Jesus I've died to myself he lives in me and when I take this symbolic body and blood I am saying to the world I would die for Jesus just like he died for me I'm going to live for him just like he lived for me 
I'm in this. I am a believer. I am what they called him at Antioch, a Christian, a Christian. I am one of those Christ people. Before we receive this, I'm going to take a couple of minutes. And we're going to have some prayer. And I want to invite you all over this room. I'm not going to, have, I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar today. You can't. We, we will after, afterwards when we take communion. Be, be free to do it. You can at any point. But all over this room, I want you to be thinking about what you've just heard the last few minutes. Be thinking about it. Is Jesus at home in my heart? Is my heart a good place for Jesus to live? Is he comfortable living inside me? Is he comfortable dwelling in me with my actions and my thoughts? And if the answer to that is no, then before we take communion, you have a chance to say, God, I want to come home. I'm ready to come home. And so I'm not, again, I'm not asking you to stand. I'm not asking you to come to the front. Here's what I'm asking you to do, though. Nobody's looking. Everybody's got their heads bowed and their eyes are all closed. I simply want you to acknowledge that you're about to pray that prayer. If that's you and you would say, I want, I'm ready to come back home. Maybe I've never come home before or maybe I've just gotten so far from the Lord I want to come back to God. Whatever the case might be, I would like to see your hand and I'm going to pray for you. Nobody else is looking but me. Everybody acknowledge and honor this time, okay? We're waiting because this is very important, a very important time. This is somebody's spiritual birthday. If that's you, lift your hand. I'm ready to come back home. Keep your, keep your heads down, but raise those hands and keep, keep the hands up until I can have a chance to see you. One, two, three, four. Who else? Five, six. Keep raising them. How many more? How many more raise their hand and say, pray for me? Seven. Anyone else? Eight. Nine. Ten. Ten people. All ten of you right there where you are and anyone else who did not raise your hand. Would you just pray this prayer or something like it? If you mean this and you pray this right now. If you really mean it and you pray it. The Bible says that you're going to be home. Pray this, dear Jesus. I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me for my past. I want to live for you. From this day forward, I'm not my own. I know that I've been bought with a price. Jesus, I am ready to make you my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your spirit. Give me strength to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Heads are still bowed. Every person that prayed that prayer, I want you to raise your hand. I want to see who all prayed that prayer this morning. Amen. Hands are going up all over the place. You know what? You know what happens? Do you know what happens in heaven when someone comes to know the Lord? There's a celebration. There's probably 10 or 12 people here today that have just prayed that prayer. You can put your hands back down now. Have prayed that prayer today to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 
maybe for the first time, somebody, let me ask you that. Was, was any of those for you? Was it your very first time to ever pray that prayer? I, I'd like to know if that was the very first time you've ever asked Jesus in your heart, would you raise your hand? I'd like to see who you are. All these folks who are coming back home to the Lord. Isn't it amazing? Church, I think we ought to celebrate with them just like they're celebrating in heaven. Ten people decide to come back to the Lord today. Amen. Welcome back home. Amen. Welcome back home. Where's home? Wherever God is. You're there with Him now. He's there with you. He's in your heart. He's in your house. He's in your church. Make sure that you keep yourself in the frame of mind to be in those places. And let us know if you made that commitment. Talk to one of our staff because we really want to make sure that we connect you. We want to make sure that you don't fall through the cracks. We got to make sure we get you connected. But I'm proud of you. Anybody that wants to now can take communion. If you didn't pray the prayer, still don't. But there's 10 or 12 more that they're going to now that weren't a few minutes ago. They decide to. Amen. I love to take communion because of the way that it makes me feel in my heart and in my spirit. It's a beautiful and awesome thing, isn't it? I'm going to ask that those who are going to be serving us this morning, if they would come forward.